This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone listening. This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week, going out to you this Thursday, the 24th of October, 2019, the year being. I hope you had a lovely week, and uh, hopefully, hopefully you're having a good day today so far at that. Thank you for joining me on VORW International, a weekly free-form talk program where many things of many subjects and varieties are discussed, sometimes very serious, sometimes very light-hearted. You can hear this program a variety of means online, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and so many more platforms as well. Uh, We're also today going out on the shortwave, 7780 kHz for listeners in North America and Western Europe. Your feedback is always welcome at vorwinfo at gmail.com. And with that and a brief introductory note, uh, today's broadcast is going to be in three parts. Uh, first things first, we're going to be getting right into the, the feature discussion. I'm not going to sit around and, and waste any more time. We're, we'll, we'll get right into the discussion about the social media and internet addiction. Uh, following that is a lecture that I recorded the other day which, you know, it's, it's, it's very serious, and it's not a happy lecture, um, but it's something that I feel like I need to, to talk about, so we're going to get that uh, represented, and, and it'll be out there. And then following that, we will just open up the mailbag for miscellaneous correspondence. And I'll keep in mind that going forward, this next part of the broadcast is going to be recorded on camera, so it's going to be a little fast-paced than usual, because that's what needs to be done. Um, because otherwise, you know, there's no there's no point. So, stay tuned. This is VORW. So, getting on to the feature discussion of the show, we're kind of getting right into it this time around. Smartphone and internet addiction. It's, it's one of those topics that I raised a little bit Long ago, it was probably, I I would wager, probably six months or more ago. And I remember I was mostly talking about that with uh, kids, with, you know, like young kids, five, six-year-olds being addicted to their phones. Uh, But this topic is is generalized. It's really to anyone of any age, anywhere. And in the last program, I, I asked a question. I was saying, do you think that you are addicted to the computer, to the internet, uh, to your smartphone. I mean, you know, you hear so much about it. You hear uh, about smartphone addiction. You hear about internet addiction. Uh, even, of course, social media, video game addiction, etc., etc. And I was wondering, of course, with, with there being uh, you know, seemingly such a great prevalence of it, with so many people talking about it, so many people... Uh, you know, bringing it up in one capacity or another. I just wanted to know, you know, do members of the public at large actually consider themselves addicted or not? And then as a follow-up question, I said, understanding that, how do you think it's going to progress going forward? You know, how do you think technology is going to progress? So we got a few interesting responses anyway, and uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, when, when I was sorting through them, I saw a lot of people... There was some some 
variety, a lot of mixed responses. You had some people who were uh, very, they were, they were very straightforward. They were saying, I absolutely am addicted. Uh, but there were other people who were kind of saying, no, I, I don't think I am. And it was interesting to see. And I always like it when there's like a, a certain diversity in the responses that we get. Um, because then you get a little bit of everything. You know, it's not like everything is just going this one way or going another way. I, you know, it, there's some agreement, there's some disagreement, and I always like those, those differing viewpoints. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Now, going forward, uh, the question that I have for next week's show, and it's a tradition of mine, I always like to ask a question, uh, get listener responses, and then we get into it into the next program. Next Thursday is Halloween, so I think, you know, even though, again, a few months ago I did a show about this, I mean, come on, it's Halloween, <laughs> you know, may as well. Uh, if you have any, uh, anything, anything spooky, anything creepy, anything pertaining uh, to the paranormal, uh, just share it, share your stories, uh, we'll just talk about various ghosts and all that stuff. So if you have anything Halloween-themed, any paranormal experiences, paranormal stories, anything you would like to share, and really anything that you find appropriate uh, for Halloween, uh, of course, for a Halloween show, send it in and submit it to vorwinfo at gmail.com. That's v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. If you had any paranormal experiences... Uh, any capacity, anything you want to talk about, you're always welcome, and you will be on the air. So that's what it all comes down to, and uh, we'll get a good show for you next week. But one interesting thing, going back over to internet addiction, and, and one of these things that I wanted to, to talk about, it is fascinating, and I think it does go to show, in my opinion anyway, its prevalence, uh, to the extent that when I search addicted to internet, like, the first thing that comes up, I'm seeing right here on Google, it's like addiction recovery, um, internet addiction disorder, uh, you know, all of these, like, very serious medical resources. So, it's interesting. I think it does go to show that there, there is something that's, that's come of it. There's one interesting news article I saw that was posted the other day, and this was in regards to South Korea. But I have a feeling that they're kind of they're, they're, they're playing it down, and I think they're doing this intentionally. Um, but, but they were saying that teenagers in South Korea are so addicted to their smartphones, and, and granted, of course, the social media and whatnot that comes along with it, so much so that there are actually these, like, internet, um, you know, internet rehab... Uh, detox camps that they have set up that you can go there and I guess you know if you feel you have a problem you could enroll in one of these camps and I guess the cost is free for the most part aside from paying for food and uh, they, they they unplug you and it's it's this literal program to try and break free uh, you know of, of being chained to the internet and, and so on and so forth so it's just interesting um, but the way the article makes it out, it's like they're trying to say that this is only a problem in South Korea. And I, I disagree with that very strongly. I think in any developed country where you can use the Internet and it's not censored, it's not suppressed, 
uh, you, you know, you're kind of, you're tied down to it, in a sense. I mean, look at me, right? I will completely, I'll be honest, you know, I definitely rely very much on the internet. Now, the one thing I would say, I'm not addicted to social media, but I'm an outlier. Uh, you know, I just, I've never been a social media person, nor have I really been a smartphone person, but I'm old school, kind of like with a desktop, a laptop, computer, and uh, definitely, uh, you know, whenever the internet is out, I certainly, I feel it, you know, I most certainly do. So, I mean, I have my own dependency, uh, and there's no shame in admitting that. But now going over to the email, again, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. And seeing, you know, if, uh, if, if what you guys really have to say. So let's open it up. And real quick, I'm going to reposition the microphone here. Just a little bit right there, just like that. That's fine, hopefully. No big issues there. And uh, let's go over and see what you have to say. So Roy, in Austin, Texas, listening in on SoundCloud, says, As for your first question, I am not addicted to my phone or the internet. As for the phone, I do not watch videos, read articles, or play games on it. I occasionally use the camera, and I mainly use it as a watch texting and talking to people. And the texting and talking is mostly for work. I have way more phone than I need or use. And I says, I am on the internet or in the PC a lot. Music, movies, research, podcast, games, etc., although I do not consider myself addicted. If I wasn't listening to music on the internet, then I would be putting on a CD. So would the question be, if I am addicted to the CD? Uh, would the question be, if I am addicted to music? Uh, but he said, behavioral addiction is a hard one. I think the only one who would know is the subject himself. Uh, two MMORPG enthusiasts would look the same to an outsider, uh, one of them spends a lot of time online, but still fulfills all his responsibilities and also maintains his social obligations. The other one lets the game take over his life and neglects all other areas. They both spend an un ungodly amount of time playing EverQuest. All right, thank you, Roy, from Austin, Texas. Going over to his very short response, but to Trev, he says, Am I addicted to the internet? Yes, I am. I'm too tired to go into detail but thought I would answer anyway. So thank you so much, Trev. I really appreciate that. And uh, no matter what, you know, I appreciate that you took the time to go ahead and, and formulate a response, long or short. So it's much appreciated. Uh, let's go over to Aravik. Says, hello, review bra. Love the latest podcast. Uh, when it comes down to internet addiction, when I look at my own behavior, I would say that I am addicted. I've never thought about it that way, but every morning I check Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, NPR, Pokemon Go, and Harry Potter Wizards Unite. It's like having coffee in the morning, and throughout the day I periodically check back into all those sites. Uh, I think that our smartphones make it so easy to get online uh, that it becomes habitual. Now, I'm not sure if it's a bad thing, though, except uh, you're not actually interacting with real people. It was just the online personalities. But when you actually go to work or out to run errands, that's when you do interact with people face-to-face. -face. So I think that there needs to be a balance between the two. 
That was from Aravik. Thank you so much for your thoughts there. A little bit of a water break. And, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned, and it's, you know, it is an interesting thought. Like, you said, I do consider myself addicted to the internet, but it's something that I really don't think of that much. You know, it's this kind of, it's like my morning routine, you know, it's just what I do. It's not like I'm metaphorically, you know, shooting up every day. Uh, and, and it's not like that in regards to addiction, right? It's just something that I do. So that's really interesting, but I do agree uh, with what you said, that it all comes down to having a balance, because I think in today's world, the way that things are, uh, you just can't, you know, you can't fully disconnect, right? We're just too dependent on it at this point. But I think there is a way to have that, that balance. All right, Ryan is checking in, says, I think that the internet is designed to be addictive instead of focusing on the person-to-person interactions. It makes you the product instead of just a member of the community of the interconnected world. It all comes down to money. So thank you, Ryan. Hey, that's that's how a lot of things are in this world. Uh, it all comes down to money in the end. You know, you break it down and you just, it, you know, you'll find a way. It always does. Just like you look at the, uh, I mean, the PG&E outages, right? That's, in the end, I feel it's financially motivated. I mean, everything is practically. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's all about, making that money. Eric in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, says, uh, this is the first time replying to one of your questions. I've only recently started listening in, so thank you. Welcome to the show, Eric. My two cents on the social media addiction issue you raised is that it's going to get a lot worse, at least for a time. I'm only 22 years old, and it's striking to me how children growing up now have their own smartphones when even 10 years ago, smartphones were something only some adults owned. Indeed, I think the scariest aspect of smartphone technology addiction and dependence is the fact that we're giving these devices to children who do not have the capacity to discipline and regulate themselves. I don't really blame parents for this. Uh, Generations ago, it was TV that was the big scare, as far as people, and especially children, uh, being overly dependent on it. But with smartphones and social media, the potential damage is much greater. And I think society as a whole tends to move to excesses like a pendulum for the next decade or two we'll keep using our devices way too much until larger groups of people begin to move away from them in a conscious effort to improve mental health Uh, we're already seeing this in rehab centers for internet slash gaming addictions and interjecting there that's exactly like i was showing earlier in the broadcast right in south korea you have these and you know these not anti-internet, but like internet rehabilitation camps, right, that the kids can go to uh, to literally try and have this issue remedied. But anyway, continuing on with your letter, I believe you also mentioned potential future technologies like being completely reliant, my apologies, like neural linking, where devices are connected to us inside our own brains. And this worries me quite a bit, and I think that will be the breaking point, 
where some people will become completely reliant on technology even to perform basic tasks, while some people will begin to move away from this way of life and try to regain their independence, but with future inventions, it's always impossible to tell. And he says, personally, I can definitely say I used to be addicted to YouTube and social media, um, but now after immersing myself more into the world of books and reading and limiting screen time, I can confidently say I feel much healthier and better overall than even one or two years ago. And when I do use my devices, I pay more attention to what I'm doing and how much time I'm spending on them. So thank you, Eric. Uh, you know, good on you. Yeah, good on you for uh, for breaking free. And, that, and look, it's a hard thing to do because, you know, you know, we're dependent on it, even to this point. And, yeah, to, I mean, I agree with you in regards to things just kind of getting a lot worse. And that's my biggest fear when it comes down to it, is that, you know, going forward, however long it's going to be, maybe, I mean, sometimes I think when we look at the future, we kind of have an overly optimistic look at things. I remember seeing a video, I guess it was a couple years ago, maybe it was back in like 2012, 2013, what the world would be like in 2020. Now, I mean, we're pretty much in 2020 at this point. Were the predictions that I saw in this video, did it come true? No, not at all. Uh, they, again, it was like way too optimistic. It was like, you know, everything in our house is going to be connected and everything is going to be like a, like a touch screen. Like the walls are going to be interactive and the door is going to be and the light switch and everything is going to be internet connected. But I mean, I guess in some places that is the case, but in others it's like, right, the wall is still just a wall and the door is still just a door and that's it. It's not a, a smart door or anything. You know, it's not really necessary. Uh, but one thing that I really do believe in is the neural linking, where I think going forward a few decades, uh, that's going to happen. And they're going to hook your brain up into these, uh, where it's it's literally going to be your mind, your consciousness, your soul, that's going to have whatever it ends up being. Maybe it'll Maybe it'll be a chip. Maybe they'll find a way to wirelessly do it. I have no idea. Um, but it's going to be connected. And you, yourself, will be the internet-connected device. And I think the advertisers will be able to read your mind. And, you know, you will not have any privacy anymore. And people might be able to hack you. They might be able to, I mean, literally take you over. And that scares me. When that... When that technology emerges, uh, it, you know, it's going to be like the new smartphone, uh, where it's it's going to be the next, it's going to be revolutionary. And granted, it'll have its benefits, but of course, it has its drawbacks too. And that'll be the breaking point for me. I would not want that to, to happen. I wouldn't want to ever be a part of that, ever. You know, it's like, I'm all for advancement. But it, it gets to a point where it's just a little too much. It's just a little too much, and I'm just not comfortable with that at all. Um, but I think, like you said, there will be two groups. Uh, you will have people who will 
be all for it and will literally be, I think, dependent uh, to the point of no return. And we're not there yet. You can still, right, cut away from this stuff. It'll have a toll on you, but you'll be able to live still. I think it'll get to that point, though, where it's, it's just you can't. You can't anymore. Um, but the one question is, if you don't go along with that technology, uh, is the world going to leave you behind? Are they going to leave you to rot and to, you know, be be gone? So that's an interesting thing, but yeah, it's something that that I worry for going forward. You know, that's my honest honest thoughts. Uh, and then let's go over to Ian, who says, I myself am not addicted to the internet nor my smartphone, uh, though that wasn't always the case. I came of age when the internet was in its infancy. As the technological and digital footprints of the internet grew, I found myself caught up with the information, entertainment, and risque things that became available to a person within a few keystrokes and clicks. Um, By the time I hit my late 20s, I felt as if something was amiss within myself, a disconnection and discontentment. I felt as if I was missing out on life, and I made a drastic cut to my internet usage, including all social media. Uh, It was difficult. But like all addictions, there will be a withdrawal period. Life improved. I set objective, real-world goals and made far more progress in improving my lot uh, than I had up to that point before. And, uh, you know, he says, I still use the Internet, of course. I have an Instagram. Uh, I help with uh, my business. My wife runs a Facebook page associated with the business. And sometimes on our downtime, we'll stream some movies or TV, Um, but I think the internet is a very positive thing when used with perspective and discipline, but it's very easy to fall into a trap. Uh, But as far as the future, I think it will absolutely get worse, and I believe it's within our nature to pursue pleasure and entertainment and forsake the hard work and diligence it takes to make improvements in our daily lives. And uh, he recommends looking at uh, the Spielberg movie, Ready Player One, which absolutely, that's a good book, a good movie, too. And he says, I can very much see a future as the one portrayed uh, in that, you know, we're an oasis where people go to live their fantasies or escape the problems of their life, forsaking the real world for a false digital one, even getting to the point where they'll convince themselves that the digital, internet-driven world is the real world. So it's very interesting, Ian. And thank you so much for your feedback there. And you said everything will be connected and available to even the world's poorest, even when clean water and food might be hard to come by. Uh, The technological oligarchs that run this modern age would love nothing more than to tap us all into the internet at all times, connected consumers. Now, certainly fight against that, and I encourage all others to do the same. Thanks for the great work from Ian. And thank you so much, Ian. I really appreciate it. And again, I mean, I agree with you. Uh, Like I was saying, I just have a bad feeling about the future going forward, and I can't shake that. Like, you know, sometimes you get this feeling deep down, and I can't dismiss it. I mean, this is just, this is what I see going forward, too. Uh, So I worry for that. So thank you so much for your feedback, Ian. 
You're listening to VORW Radio International. All right, so continuing onward with the discussion, I think we have about four more pieces of correspondence that I want to get to. Juan in Uruguay, regular listener, says to answer your question from the last broadcast, yes, I'd say I am addicted to the internet. I constantly use it when I'm at home. So thank you so much, Juan, for your feedback there. Uh, Daniel in Georgia says, I discovered and began listening to you this summer, and my appreciation was immediate, yet continues to grow. I'm 46 years old, recently divorced, and now live in a tent with everything I own on a bicycle, uh, traveling around selling folk art paintings roadside. Uh, Since beginning this manner of living, of course it has become much more difficult to keep my devices charged and such, so I now spend far less time on the internet, and it has not felt like the pains of giving up an addiction. My days are rather busy with the essential tasks of life, and I'm mostly surrounded by wilderness and spend a lot of time observing and reading about trees, plants, biology, and such. Uh, Before this, I do indeed think I spent far too much time interneting. Uh, You are definitely right on the matters of human lack of empathy, compassion, and general behavior towards each other. I remember you speaking on this when you had the flat tire as well. I often, when able to listen, simply play your broadcasts in the background. I enjoy the mental stimulation from the topics and admire your views on them. You're also correct when you state in this episode on failure that what you do reaches, affects, and perhaps benefits scattered random people regardless of any other aspects of the venture from the usual perspectives of success. You convey a deep, profound humanity within yourself, and that can spread to others as well. So thank you so much for your kind words, Daniel. And, uh, you know, you know, stay strong. I, I, I appreciate, you know, I always have a level of respect for individuals who go against, you know, who go against the grain. And I, I think there's just... There's, there's a strength inside the people who do this. I couldn't do what you do right now. But you found a way to make it work, connect with nature, and as long as you're happy with, with you know, your situation and you're doing something that you want to do, good on you. And, you know, otherwise, I hope things, you know, if, if it's a situation that you don't necessarily want to be in, uh, then I hope things pick up for you. So thank you for your kind words, Daniel. Uh, let's go over to Vigo in Denmark. It says about the subject, internet smartphone addiction. I can say for myself that I am definitely addicted to my smartphone and the internet. I'm 31 years old and work as a cook in a family-run restaurant uh, where I work between 9 to 12 hours a day for 5 days a week. I sleep for 6 hours per day, and the rest of the day, between 6 to 9 hours... I spend on my phone, tablet, or PC, uh, watching YouTube, Netflix, uh, listening to podcasts and music, or playing video games. On my days off, I spend between 12 to 15 hours looking at a screen. I have no social life aside from work and online gaming, if you could even count that. If I would be completely honest, without the internet I would be very bored, especially in the evening. 
Uh, but then again, I would probably get a lot more things done in and around the house and maybe even meet people in real life instead of online. Uh, now regarding if it will get better or worse going forward, I think it will get better. Uh, the upcoming generations will rebel against their parents, as they always do. Uh, kids nowadays are glued to the screens, um, but some are extremely against it. Uh, same as veganism, vegetarianism, uh, use of plastic and green energy, etc. At some point, the younger generation will be sick and tired uh, of the way their parents or grandparents uh, use and, and abuse things, uh, the planet, etc. And as usual, the younger generation needs to fix the problems of the older generation, uh, just like the aftermath of World War II, except now there are less children to clean up the mess and more grandparents, so I think it will get better, but it's going to be a lot of work for all of us, and we all need to change for a better, brighter future. So that was from Vigo in Denmark, and thank you for your feedback. You know, that's that's the interesting thing when you look at generations, and you especially look at, like, uh, the younger generations, and you see various um, people or groups that, that try to predict, you know, how things are going to turn out, and it's absolutely fascinating uh, to watch and, and see what happens, you know. I mean, for instance, politically speaking, now, now granted, you know, I think it's it's pretty silly to go ahead and lump an entire generation into one thing or another, uh, but regardless of that, what I, what I see is sometimes you have individuals that'll try and p pr predict the political mindset of, you know, this emerging uh, generation. And it's like, it's it's funny, where I will see these guesses all over the board, where you have some people that say uh, the youth of, of today, as they grow up, are going to be uh, extremely uh, liberal and progressive, whereas other people actually, you know, say the other way, and they say that's going to be the most conservative generation ever. And it kind of makes me... It makes me laugh a little bit when I when I see these predictions, and it's like, all right, well, they are the 180-degree opposite of one another. Uh, so obviously, I mean, then, of course, you can look at it, and you can say maybe it'll be somewhere in the middle. Um, maybe one prediction will be correct, the other won't be. Maybe it'll be a little of both. I mean, whew, predicting things is, uh, well, for lack of a better word, quite unpredictable. Sometimes you have something and you think it's going to be right, and then it even seems like it is, and then it's not. You know, it's just funny how it is, but, yeah, I mean, I, either way, regardless of any of that stuff, yeah, the world is, uh, it's a mess. It, it most certainly is. And uh, hopefully, hopefully things are going to get better one day. You know, they need to. But, again, thank you very much, Vigo, and, uh, you really, you put a lot of work into your job. So that's what we have for written correspondence. Uh, again, the question for next week's broadcast is, it's it's open line, so there is a broad format. Because the show is going to be on Halloween, like I was saying, how can you not? How, how can you not? Uh, the show is about the paranormal. Anything paranormal related that you want to share... Uh, please go for it. Uh, anything. It could be of 
any experience that you know, any ghost stories that you have, anything that happened to you or your friends or your family or anything. Any theories, hypotheses, general comments, thoughts on Halloween, etc. Send them in, submit them. Uh, please, the more we get, the better. So, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com is the way to send it in. Send in an email to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. You can type up the correspondence or you can record it through an audio recording device of your choice. Likewise, as I always say, uh, if you do want to support this broadcast, consider a donation via PayPal to V-O-R-W. I-N-F-O at gmail.com or via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. If you donate via Patreon, uh, one little bit of an incentive is if you donate there, uh, you can listen to all the music shows on demand anytime you want online, digital, and you'll listen to all the shows, including the ones that I do Saturday and Sunday. So you're going to get about, you know, 12 shows a month. So consider it, patreon.com slash the report of the week. Also, of course, if you do want to advertise, send an email to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. All right, so having mentioned that, uh, like I was saying, I do want to get to the one lecture that, again, I recorded the other day. And, you know, standard disclaimer, look, I always try you know, if, if applicable, right, uh, to, to put a little bit of a positive spin on things. Um, but sometimes it just is what it is. Uh, so that's one of those lectures, but it's, it's something that's been on my mind, and I just want to talk about it. It's about intimidation and the world that we live in today, how to get through it. This is VORW International. This is one of those things that I... I wanted to talk about, but I didn't know how. And it was a realization that I came to fairly recently, but not necessarily to the point. It, it, just, it was a matter of being able to formulate it, regurgitate it out properly. And of course, there's all different ways to do that, different ways to go about delivering a point, getting that message across, right? Different tones you can set, examples you can give, ways you can go about doing this uh, to try to get that optimal reception. In, in that regard, I mean trying to get it out in the most effective way possible. And a lot of the time when I have a point that I want to bring up, or just something that I want to talk about. I'll go over in my mind and I'll think, yeah, I want to talk about it this way or that way. And I'll go about that. This is one of those things that I've noticed, one of these subjects anyway, that has me stumped in a way. Because merely it's something that I noticed and that I picked up on as I was kind of reflecting on things. And you'll see what I mean as I, as I get into it. How much trouble I've had trying to get this out. Trying to even find the right way 
to formulate it. Because, you see, that right there is the problem itself. One of the issues with what I'm talking about is that delivering the message is part of the problem. And uh, as a result, it's, it's going to be a jumbled mess, but I feel like that's the only way I can get it out. So that's what it comes down to. <laughs> you know, the world is such an intimidating place. I mean, it's... It's incredible. And intimidating is an interesting word. Because it can be used, of course, in a lot of various contexts. Right, it can be used to pertain to various things. Uh, for instance, you can have a lot of work to do. And it'll be like a tedious workload, and you can say, this is a really intimidating job. Or maybe a high-stress situation, oh man, this is intimidating. But then you can have someone, right, who literally is intimidating. Uh, someone who is, you know, threatening you, harassing you, uh, trying to invoke a certain feeling, right? And I think we've all seen these types of people. Uh, I see it every single day. I have people that send me various comments, and, uh, I mean, you can tell that they're trying to be intimidating. Be that the way that they say certain things, the way that they act, right? And it can come off that way. That is the type of intimidating I mean when I say that the world is an intimidating place. I think all definitions of the word are applicable here, but that's what I'm talking about specifically, right? Yes, granted, the world can be a very daunting thing. There is a lot that we have ahead of us, a lot that we need to do, even just to survive and make it through one day to another. And that in itself is an intimidating task, but I'm talking about intimidation and literally people trying to to get to you, in a way. Because the world is an intimidating place. It really is. I always try as best I can, and that's not to say that I do the world's best job, but it's something that I try. At least a principle that I try to adhere to day to day. As I live life, I try to treat others with respect, kindness, and dignity. But obviously, though that's a message that I try to promote and a message that I try to get out, I mean, one way or another, and I think you see it too, there isn't much reciprocity in regards to that. A lot of people don't have those same feelings. Or rather, it's just like they care about themselves, or they pick you apart, and they try and bring you down. Again, either... Usually it's for selfish reasons, uh, though sometimes people just... Like I was saying a few shows back, you have this collective mentality, uh, this, this lack of empathy, 
And sometimes people just can get so narcissistically self-absorbed and they see your mere existence, the fact that you're alive, as getting in the way of things, uh, getting in the way of their life. And there's a lot of angry uh, psychopaths out there. And when you realize this, you start looking around and you start paying attention more and more at the world, at what's going on around you. And you realize what a massive, massive thing this is. Uh, the amount of people who are this way, who are like, it's almost as if they want you gone. At the very least, they hate everyone but themselves. And this isn't one of those issues that, you know, you see this a lot with the media where there's something that happens so infrequently or something that has happened in one isolated area, you know, 10,000 miles away, uh, but they fearmonger. You know, they use these fearmongering tactics uh, to hype things up, of, of course, again, for their personal uh, financial gain. You see this a lot with things going on overseas. And they hype it up and they, they scare people and they make it think like it's going to impact them and so on and so forth. When really it's not. And they make it think like it's at your very doorstep, etc., etc., when things are really quite fine. But this isn't one of those cases. This is one of those things that isn't exclusively in one isolated incident that gets hyped up beyond belief or that's 15,000 miles away, you know, and is just all the way over there and doesn't really impact you. This is something that's at your doorstep. Uh, that if you just go out, chances are you'll see it. You'll see this, this mentality. Uh, you see it everywhere online, but it, it carries out right here into the real physical world. And, you know, I really, I see it so often. So I think that just goes to show, at the very least, its prevalence. And, yes, the world, ladies and gentlemen, really is, by all definitions, an intimidating place. But, you know, it's interesting, where I, I, I was looking back... And here's how it all ties together. You, you'll you see. But uh, this is the only conclusion that I can come to. This is the only thing I, I can use to explain this. This is all I've got. I was looking back at the YouTube channel. You know, the other one, the, the, the report of the week. And of course the channel goes back many, many years. It goes all the way back to early 2011. And it's, it's hard to believe that that's close to nine years ago now. Feels like every time I mention that now, it's already been another year, but crazy how it is. And I remember, though, when I first started out this show, VORW, I started it out back in 2014. And granted, right, that's five years ago. 
2015, 2016. When you start looking back a couple years, you do notice that, right, things have changed. And change is one of those things that we really don't necessarily notice until it's it's really brought right to our our face and then we're like wow how did this uh how did this happen <laughs> you know so, or sometimes you'll look at something and you'll realize oh my gosh i was a i was a different person then but you know you necessarily sometimes we do but you didn't necessarily most of the time anyway notice this transformation it it, it kind of just happens but i was looking back at this show and it's a so weird how, I mean, number one, I've changed as a person uh, from, you know, 2014, 2015, 2016, right? We all have to some capacity. But one thing that I noticed in those shows was that I talked about whatever I wanted to talk about. And I didn't feel pressured. I didn't feel as though I was going to lose anything. I didn't feel intimidated. Right? I was just... I mean, the whole point of the show, even to this day, is for it to be a free-form talk show. Uh, Talking about whatever... Whatever there is to talk about. Anything. And I mean, you still see that to a capacity from one show to the next. But I remember when I first did the show, and really for the first couple years, like I said, I was a different person, but it felt like there was nothing stopping me from talking about whatever I wanted to talk about. And granted, I didn't discuss anything controversial. Uh, You know, it wasn't like I was sitting there uh, doing extremist political rants or any of that. Uh, As a matter of fact, most of the discussions that I featured on those programs uh, were very, very basic. I was mostly talking about shortwave radio and reading some listener uh, questions and pieces of correspondence, etc. And that's what it comes down to. But I remember, I would pick up the microphone, hook it up, turn it on, and just go at it, just talk. But recently, and especially, I've really noticed this uh, over the last, I mean, probably to an extent the last few months, but really, it's, it's, it's been really strong over the last few weeks. And it's like, even though the content of this show, in recent times, hasn't changed one single bit, and even though for the most part, people are fine with it, I feel like when I pick up the microphone, and I'm ready to talk, all of a sudden... I get this feeling of apprehension, and I get this feeling of, not nervousness, this isn't, 
this isn't anxiety, this isn't nerves, you know, I, I deal with that too, but it's, it's different. I want to distinguish that immediately. But it's like this feeling that I get in the back of my head telling me, do not do this. Don't do it. You're going to regret it. And resultingly, I start feeling this fear. And it's like, well, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I just shouldn't do a show this week. And, uh, you know, maybe I, I shouldn't talk about anything. I just keep it really, really light. And mind you, the topics that I discuss in each show aren't controversial. It, you, you know, they, they aren't incendiary. Nor are they, right, anything obscene. Yet, I get this gut feeling deep down that before I turn the microphone on, what I am about to say is beyond incendiary. That's like the feeling that it gives me now. And it's really not. Uh, these words have no power. They, they have no, no impact. Uh, and, and they're about as bland as can be. And I, like, I remember, for instance, a show about the uh, wildfires... Or, pardon me, it was the PG&E blackouts. Not necessarily the wildfires themselves, but the, the preventative blackouts. That I couldn't even record it at first. Because I felt like, if I talk about this, I'm going to get crucified. And it's over. But in reality, I did the show... And it was completely and totally fine. And obviously the reaction to it was... was... no problem. And that's not the only time that I got that feeling. That's not the only time that I ever felt that way in regards to doing this show. And it's a feeling that you should not feel. Uh, you are free. Look, it doesn't mean that everyone's going to agree with you uh, or disagree with you. And that's completely fine. That's a fact of life. I mean, I do this show and I talk about some of the, the driest subjects out there. And I still get people uh, who say the worst possible things. So even then, if you look at that and you already see this reaction that you get, uh, don't, you know, you can talk about anything that you want. You're free to do that. But I was focusing on this feeling because I was, again, I was getting it more and more and more. And it was, it was at first very perplexing. It was like, why am I having to feel this way about things that should not cause this feeling at all, should not cause this feeling in any way, shape, or form. Uh, because it's terrible. It's terrible to feel like you can't talk about a single thing when that's not true. That's not the reality. That's not how it is. Like I said, people might disagree with you. 
but that doesn't mean that you can't talk about it. And there's a difference between that and feeling like you cannot discuss anything at all, ever, anymore. So, I tried to think, well, what exactly is the root of this? Because obviously something needs to be causing it. Obviously something needs to be making me feel this way. Like I can't talk about anything anymore because it's going to be the end of everything. And one thing that I would try to do is just disprove it, you know? Go ahead with the show anyway, and you see the results, right? Like, I, I, was, I had this feeling, I had these worries, I had these, these fears, and I did the show about PG&E anyway, and what happened? You know? Nothing. Some people watched the show, and that was that. People were fine with it. A lot of people said, yeah, show was all right, you know, it's, let's hear the next one. It's nothing. The, that, that impact that my mind warned me was going to happen if I did this show never came to pass. But that didn't do anything. Even though I was able to directly disprove this feeling and show that there was no validity to it whatsoever, it didn't matter. Because it happened again, and it happened again and again and again. So I was thinking to myself, well, this didn't... this didn't help. Right, this didn't do what I thought it was going to do. So you need to examine where this is coming from. And at first, I couldn't tell. I, I didn't know. I was looking around. I was looking, trying to think, what, what changed? What's different? No, you know. I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. I'm happy. I'm staying active. Trying my best to stay healthy. Keep my mind active. So it's nothing there. Everything in my life is going fine. I looked at the world initially, and I was thinking, no, you know, everything seems all right. But then I thought, well, what exactly is it that you fear? Well, uh, society, you know, and the bad people in society. That's it right there. The answer is right there in front of you. Now you have to pick it apart, and you got to think, well, why exactly? So what? And the reason is because I've seen, and I know what people are capable of. But regardless of that, there's nothing that I can do to change that. And I've seen what's happened. You know, I think that's maybe one of those things that kind of rubbed it in. Where I remember I made a post on the social media. I talked about this a while back. And it was literally telling people to stop bullying each other. You know, that's what did it. And people wanted me dead after it. Uh, people wanted me killed. All because I said not to bully each other and to, to treat each other better. If you cannot 
say something like that without being harassed and verbally assaulted by thousands of people and then have people threaten your life, then is there anything that you can say anymore? Is, is there? And when you see that this is how people are, uh, this is how so many people can be, that these are individuals that I had previously looked at as viewers and supporters, and this is how they really are. This is the real them that comes out. This isn't just some group of bots or trolls or people hired to go on some sort of campaign, right? These are real people, and this is something that's inside of them that the demon comes out. I mean, you literally, you see it over something that should just be accepted, right? I, I do not condone bullying, yet I suppose these people do. Because, you know, it all ties back around to what I was saying about intimidation in the world. And these are, this is that type of, of, of people right there that, again, have this narcissistic self-importance that they hate everyone but themselves. It's like this, this selfish anger, this sick, twisted, psychopathic nature that you see. And I guess just for a long time I tried to be optimistic about its true prevalence. I knew that there were despicable people and I knew that there were lots of them. But when you really realize how many that there are, and how these behaviors are encouraged, uh, that it's not just... It, it's, it's like... You're almost rewarded. You're looked, you're looked upon by some people as a, as a freaking role model if this is how you act. And, like, people want to be more like you. Not to say everyone, but you notice it. And when you notice the true prevalence and, and how common this really is, and like I was saying earlier, like, it's not just some far-off problem or if, if it's just some sort of isolated incident that gets hyped up like it's everything when you realize this is commonplace, that very likely you come across dozens of people like this on a daily basis, uh, it's scary. And then you really see the meaning of, of the world being an intimidating place. And that's what did it. But then there's this. When there's a problem, there's a solution. It's not always the conventional solution. Sometimes it is. It's not always the thing that you like to hear at first, or the thing that you want to do, but it's something that might help you out, get you through it, and be able to, to one extent or another, remedy the situation. And, you can loop back over to the lecture I gave last week about failure. It's the same type of thing. 
you have a certain type of failure, there's a way to get past it. And sometimes that could be starting all over again, and that's something that we don't necessarily want to hear, but sometimes it works. So as a result, knowing that this feeling of fear, that I can't talk about anything anymore, is because of the way that so many people are, there's only one solution that I can see. And it's, it's just, it's funny how it is. It comes back, it comes back to bite you. But it's true. It's something that I tell other people all the time. And now I tell it to myself and to anyone else who kind of feels intimidated by the world as well. In this life, as far as I'm concerned, we've got one shot. We've got this one life. We have just this. As far as I'm concerned, that's what we've got in this world. We can't blow it. We can't squander it. We can't waste it. And we can't sit there and let other people tell us to do this or don't do that to extremes, to where you're sitting there and you feel like you can't even talk anymore. Individuality, who you are, what goes through your mind, the person that you truly are deep down, is such a precious thing, and it's such an important thing, and something that should not be suppressed. And when people say, and ask me for advice, and they say, I want to try to be myself, I want to do this, or, or be this, or be that, because that's who I feel like I really am, or dress this way, or appear that way, or maybe take this up or that up, uh, because that's what I really want to do, but I feel intimidated by the world and how, how people are, how people will act, how people will react. I always say, Forget about those people. Be who you really are. And that's the most important thing to be in this world, in this life that we've got. To just be yourself. You cannot let other people bully you, control you to that extent. You just can't. So as a result, Forget about them, be who you really are, and be proud to be it as well. And you will get backlash. You will get people who are going to say some really, really cruel things to you. You know, who might try and do bad things to you. But stay strong. Don't let these other people run your life and win. Some people might give you some hard times for it, and you might suffer a few losses. And to all the trolls, to all the haters, to all of the angry people, the, the people who want to bring you down, who want to shut you up, who want to get rid of you, to hell with them. 
forget about them, and the best way to stand up to them and give them that very clear message that, you know what, you can try all you want, but you're not going to win, is to be yourself, be happy, be proud of it, and show them that you can try all you want, but you're not going to run my life. That's why I wanted to go ahead and give this lecture today. Now this is how it relates to me, but the message is universal. If people are giving you a hard time, if people are giving you crap, if people are trying to bring you down and demean you because you don't meet their expectations, where they just want you silenced, they don't like who you are or who you want to be, consider what I said. The best way to fight against them is to be the person that you truly are and truly want to be. And in so, it, it's, it's really an all-around success. Because eventually when the bad people realize that you're not going to give them what they want, they will move on to the next. They're very parasitic in nature. They, they will just move on to the next, to the next, the next target that they feel they've got, the next person that they can go ahead and try and attack and bring down. And good riddance. You know, it's good that they're gone. And in doing so, you will find the individuals who truly support you, have your back, and will give you that motivation to continue on as well. And like I said, that's why I wanted to give this lecture tonight. And people can do anything that they want. They can all leave, they can all dislike, uh, they can type the nastiest uh, threat that they can imagine. But you know what? I'm keeping things going. And I'm not going to censor myself for things that should never be censored. So I wanted to go ahead, address it head on, and that's the best way to do it. You, you dive right in head first and show that I'm not afraid of them. That I'm not afraid of the what-ifs. Of the, the various... Oh, what if someone thinks this or thinks that or says this or says that or, or doesn't like it or, or whatever. Not to fear that, but rather to embrace that and to say that's fine. If everyone hates it, everyone hates it. But I'm just going to be me. And I'm going to talk about what I talk about, and that's all that there is to it. Because one thing that a lot of these people try to do against you is that not only do they say direct, uh, you know, direct insults, direct attacks, direct threats, you name it, against you, and do these various things and get this mob mentality going, but they try to convince you 
that what they say is true and that what they say is right when that's just not the case and the way that they win is by trapping you is by making you feel that by the mere act of existing and doing what you want to do right provided that it doesn't hurt or harm others but by the fact of just doing what you want to do and being who the, who you are is some sort of unforgivable wrong and that you are the lowest of the low for doing it so they trap you and they convince you they they convince you they get into your mind and like it did with me it it gave me that feeling like maybe I should just stop stop doing this uh, because I had those worries and I had those fears but that right there is exactly what they want so in the end that's what they'll do make you the ultimate weapon against yourself and you know one of the best ways like i was saying to fight against it is is to retain your individuality and stay strong you're listening to vrw international the voice of the report of the week and now going forward we will open up the inbox and we'll see what everyone has to say way to get in touch vrw I-N-F-O at gmail.com That's V-O-R-W I-N-F-O at gmail.com I guess email isn't the most popular thing anymore, so it is what it is, but if you want to send one, you're welcome to do so. Never forced to, never obligated to, but always welcome. And uh, that's what it comes down to. On an interesting note, well, it's not really that interesting, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, you know, the, the the conflict going on, of course, in northern Syria, uh, Operation Peace Spring. Right now, things are kind of at a bit of a a bit of a stasis, you know, a bit of a standstill. Um, because you know, you have a ceasefire that is arranged. Um, with with one country being a mediator and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but obviously, I mean, you see so many times, sometimes a ceasefire really can hold, sometimes it'll break, so we'll see what happens. Right now, there is a ceasefire that's supposed to be going on in northern Syria, um, but again, we'll see if the fighting resumes. Either way, a very complicated situation, but one looking, you know, one that's really worth looking into, if you ask me. And otherwise, one little interesting thing. I mean, it it goes to show, though, the power of, of radio, you know. Here we go again talking about the radio, but it's true. Uh, the power of radio in, in these situations where the Kurds have a shortwave broadcast uh, to the region, uh, which, you know, provides news and information and all of that. Uh, now, they do not have their own transmitter, though. They They kind of... They do the exact same thing that I do uh, in regards to broadcasting, where they buy the airtime from a transmitter a little further away. And that's done, obviously, because if they had their own transmitter, uh, you know, either in perhaps Syria or Iraq or 
I, I would doubt um, Turkey, but even if they did, uh, obviously that's that's much more susceptible to being attacked, being destroyed, um, you know, being raided and, and shut down. So instead they produce the programs and then send it to transmitters in France and uh, Moldova. And then they're able to broadcast from those countries over to you know, northern Syria and northern Iraq and, and parts of Turkey on the shortwave. Uh, but recently, their broadcasts have actually been getting jammed, believe it or not. And uh, if you know what's going on over there, there's only one culprit who's doing that, and that's Turkey. So uh, the Kurds' shortwave broadcast is getting jammed, uh, because Turkey has a lot of shortwave transmitters, not all of them are in use. So they kind of took one of those transmitters and uh, are broadcasting like Turkish military music and uh, speeches uh, from Erdogan. Uh, over the Kurds broadcast so the two the two audio feeds you know are on the same frequency and Turkey has a stronger transmitter so they're really jamming the the Kurds uh, shortwave station and uh, the Kurds are trying to avoid it they're, they're doing the best that they can where they're trying to move to different frequencies to avoid the the jamming signal um, but then Turkey will just fire up their transmitter and move to the other frequency and just follow them around and continually jam them. So, yeah, radio jamming is, is still a thing. Look, that still goes on. I've had Cuba um, in, in, unintentionally, really, but sometimes they'll jam some of the programs that are on one of my frequencies and sometimes they'll leave the, the jamming transmitter on a little bit and uh, then my program will get some jamming also. Um, but Cuba does some radio jamming. Uh, China does a huge amount of it. Uh, I mean, you should... They have hundreds of transmitters that they just... Anything they don't like gets jammed out on the shortwave. Uh, North Korea does. Uh, Vietnam does. I believe Iran does some jamming as well. Saudi Arabia does. Uh, Ethiopia. Rwanda. So radio jamming is still a thing. You know, you just don't hear about it much because it's shortwave, and that's not relevant um, anymore in the U.S., but of course to the listeners in these target areas uh, who are in you know, northern Syria uh, trying to get some info from a source that uh, they agree with and want to hear, and now they can't hear it anymore because it's getting jammed. Obviously, that's very, very relevant to them. So it was interesting anyway because I've been following that, and if you ever want to try and tune into the little uh, the metaphorical radio war. Um, usually, these broadcasts are on uh, anywhere between... Because now they, they change the frequencies around pretty often to try to avoid the Turkish jamming, but it's it's usually either on 11.520, 11.530, or 11.540 kilohertz. That's 11.530, etc. Uh, kilohertz, you could probably hear it if you're in Europe, the Middle East, but sometimes even in North America, because Turkey uses 500 kilowatts, which is a lot of energy and a lot of power behind their jamming transmitter. So obviously that produces a very, very strong signal that extends very, very far beyond the target area. I mean, I've been sitting here and I've been able to hear their jamming broadcast, not very clearly, but, you know, I can hear that um, military music, and I know that that's, uh, that's the Turkish jamming signal. So Interesting to see, and anyway, it goes to show that if they feel the need to jam it, then someone is listening. So anyway, 
Uh, we do have a few questions and a few miscellaneous um, things to talk about. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. On a little bit of a uh, current event, we got an email from Joe, who just sent in an article, and, and he just said, uh, word for word, and I, I agree with him, he said, this is nuts. And uh, what is crazy exactly? Well, we were talking about PG&E. Uh, well, here it is again, and, and I told you, that wasn't going to be the first time that it's going to happen, and it's only going to happen more and more. Uh, PG&E imposes new power shutoffs in parts of Northern California yet again. Uh, right now, the Pacific Gas and Electric Corporation cut power to almost 200,000 customers in 17 counties in Northern California. Some people are saying that it's going to be um, possibly around 500,000. They said it's a public safety shutoff, you know, going to be for 48 hours. And, uh, you know, same area as the last time. Uh, could be also parts of San Mateo County, just south of San Francisco. They said when the weather subsides, the power will be back. Um, but, yeah, here it is again. A lot of people aren't having this, but, you know, do you think anyone is going to really protest it? I, I don't. I don't think so. And I remember reading a news article somewhere saying that this is going to happen for the next 10 years. Uh, so it's just, it's it's insane. I mean, I knew it was going to happen again, but to see it so quickly. So, yeah, it's just something to keep an eye on. And, uh, I mean, granted, I, I would be, uh, I would be very upset if that happened, happened to me. And, uh, yeah, here it is again, you know, the power outage is round two and and then eventually, you know, it's going to be round 3 and round 10 and round 20 and so on and so forth. So uh, here we go once again. Uh, we got an email coming in from Toby saying, and, and I should I should just mention real quick, uh, if you haven't already, just listen in. I did a show last week. It's up. You can find it about the PG&E outages the first time, and that's just a lot of interesting feedback. Now, anyway, Toby wrote in said, uh, it's interesting if not disgusting, how some other YouTubers try to get clicks by mentioning your name, then they try to guess who you are and do their own critique of you. Maybe they're not outright mean, but it seems like a poor attempt to get views. Well, I, I mean, I understand what, what you're saying there by that. And a lot of people, you know, right, that's how it is. It's, it's the funniest thing where you'll get people that'll accuse something of being clickbait, but then they'll watch it anyway. And, uh, yeah, it, you know, it is what it is. Look, there's nothing that can be done of it. People will use other people's name to get, uh, you know, their own, you know, for, for their own publicity. And I understand, look, people have to make a living off of it. So, I mean, people can say what they want about me. They, they already do. Uh, you know, I already get attacked so often. So people will say what they want, I just wish that some people gave credit where credit is due. You know, I remember on uh, Twitter the other day, someone made a meme about me, and uh, it got 225,000 likes and 2.3 million views, uh, yet they couldn't even say, you know, who it was that was in the video, but it, it is what it is. You know, that's just, that's how life is, my friends. That's just the way it goes. Uh, you know, you don't always get what you want. So, that's what it comes down to. 
We have an email from a listener in Belgium. Uh, He says, I don't want to go into my life story as it's very boring, but my father died 10 years ago, and it's an event that has impacted me so deeply that I have yet to recover. I didn't know how to deal with it back then, and I still don't. My mother and sister are the only family I have in Belgium since I'm an immigrant, and I don't really have any close friends or father figures I can talk to. At this point, I've seen all my friends grow up into complete assholes and distance themselves from me for no real reason. They've become hooked and dependent on substances at such a young age. And I see all this toxicity, hubris, and adults that just don't know what they're doing with themselves, and I get sad. I don't have the power on my own to attempt to fix these issues, and from what I've seen, my generation isn't going to care enough to bother trying to. Of course, there'll always be outsiders. Stupid prejudice, racism, intolerance goes on in the youth here, and again, I just feel defeated. I don't know what to do with these people. I get that they're still young and developing, but the adults that raise them are just as bad, if not worse. I constantly keep myself up at night thinking about these things. It's all so overwhelming. Uh, Your videos on things like failure or loss really aided me in my mentality. Uh, I used to have an F-the-world mentality, but recently I've started thinking about it differently. I want to help people. I want to make people happy and not feel alone. I just don't know how to do this. Hell, I don't know if I can do it at all. So I'm stuck in this constant loop of getting hope, losing hope, and then getting angry over what the future could look like. And I consider you a developed and intellectual guy. I was wondering if you have any advice or for anyone who feels the same way. Thank you very much for your email. And, you know, your 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 sentiment is really in tune with... Uh, with the whole mood of this show, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I can relate. Where, you know, when you see the world for what it really is, uh, it, you know, it's disheartening, right? Because as you're, you're growing up, you get painted this picture only as you get older and you start being, you know, you start observing everything, you start looking around, and you start, you see it all start falling apart. And you start seeing, you, you, see, you see it for what it really is, you know? The facade wears off. And you make the realization, the world isn't a good place. Uh, it, it is not. And collectively, as humans, uh, you know, we are the culprit, Right? But the one thing that I always have to tell myself is not to not to detest the entire world, um, because you know if you get into this mindset, right, you could know what something is, but that doesn't mean that you need to sink down as low as the problem itself that you know you talk about, because you know about it, right? So let me give an example. You realize how people are. And it's it's a disheartening realization, right? Like, you see it around you. You know how it is. So, resultingly, you can find yourself in a mindset where either, A, it can be, like, what's the point of it anymore when, 
you know, I, I despise all of it. Or B, when you see how it really is, it'll just fill you with a type of, of anger and resentment because of that. You know, and it's, it's like, I, I detest this place and the people that are, that are there in it. But at the same time, if you have that mentality, and sometimes, look, these feelings will creep up on us and there's nothing we can do about it. But to actively take that mentality and hate the world, it's, it's going to affect who you are. And it's going to make you no better than the people who you take this disdain toward in the first place, right? You're not going to be any different because you'll be filled with that anger, that rage as well. You might even have this narcissistic self-importance because you'll think, well, you know, I, I, I realize the problem, therefore I'm better than everyone else resultingly. No, that, that's not true, right? That's not the way to go about looking at it, because it's all a matter of perspective. You can see the situation, you can see it for what it really is. But likewise, having this perspective on how you handle it and how you move from there, once this realization is made, that's the most important thing. And the way to do it, in my opinion anyway, is to say, look, it's a mess. Uh, we know that, you know, we see it, and it kind of gets rubbed in our face time and time and time again. But, and that's, you know, that's what makes it. You say, but, and just because a majority of things are evil and are bad in this world doesn't mean that every last person is terrible and is out to get you and wants to do you harm and wants to burn everything down, you know, in the metaphorical sense. There's a lot more people, as I, you know, there's a lot more people in this world that are that way than I first realized, and that's like, you know, that's a gut punch when you see it. But you have to realize, even if it's a minority, there are still good people out there as well. Uh, people who do want to help others, and and, and, you know, do the best to make this world a better place. There are still good people out there, and as a result, try and tell yourself that, and remember, sometimes it can be tough to see initially. I know some days it's really hard for me to see, but humanity isn't totally a lost cause. Some days it certainly feels like it, but there are still good people around. There are still people out there who want to help others, who want to, you know, who want to make the world a better place. And there's some people who, they have this inside them. Unfortunately, you know, maybe they're intimidated by their surroundings. And like I was saying, those feelings of, of wanting to do good uh, kind of are, are locked in, are locked away. Uh, so one thing that I try to do in my broadcasts and in my lectures, I oftentimes try to put a little bit of a positive spin on them to try and send messages of positivity and just hopefully little reminders that we can we can treat others better, right? To try to be the best person that you can be. 
you know, to treat others with kindness, respect, dignity. Of course, knowing the way that the world is, you have to stand up for yourself too, but that doesn't mean that you need to be, uh, you know, a, a piece of you-know-what. Right? You can still be strong, but good. And I just try to send those messages out. Sometimes it's not, I don't, I don't do a good job at it, but I try to anyway, to whoever's willing to listen, be that, you know, ten people, or a thousand, or every little, you know, everything makes a difference. And so can you. You know, even if it's the small things. Look, some people aren't going to be receptive of it. Uh, but sometimes the results will be very surprising. You know, just stay strong. Be the best you can be. And, and just know, even though it might seem like you're isolated, like, you know, you're on this metaphorical island, like you're alone in all of this, you know, because it's such a miserable place, you aren't. And even if it's few and far between, there's other people out there too who want to help. So just stay strong, keep fighting the good fight, and I, I wish you the best of luck. So thank you so much for your correspondence. I know the response wasn't perfect, but, uh, you know, please keep... You know, you have you have the right mindset. I know it's easy to get down about things, but you're, you're off to a great start. The fact that you want to go out and help others, just, you know, stay strong and, and keep it up, my friend. Anyway, Justin in Singapore... Is checking in. I'll be going to take a sip of water here. But like I was saying, Justin in Singapore is checking in. He says, I was wondering about your opinion on whether you think water ought to be a basic human right. So thank you, Justin. Oh, absolutely. 100%. You know, food, water, and shelter. Right? The, the necessities. And especially the first two, you know, shelter included, though. Some people say, well, you can live without a shelter. Eh, well, you know, go out and try and live in the harshness of the elements for a week or two and see how well you fare. And you'll realize that shelter is, is just as important. But absolutely, I mean, water, you know, without it, you'll die. Uh, like I was, I was saying long ago, it wasn't really that long ago, but yeah, clean running water. We need it to survive, and we're so dependent on it, absolutely. Uh, you know, here I am as I record this gulping down the water. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's certainly a basic human right, uh, and, and we all need it to survive. So, absolutely. Absolutely, yes, and e easy, easy yes. Uh, water is essential for survival. And uh, again, clean water... Uh, without diseases, without these chemicals in it, and uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely it's an it's a necessity. What I do want to get into next are a few uh, listener submitted uh, pieces of feedback that were done again through uh, audio. So if you are listening in right now and you have you know any paranormal thoughts, any uh, experiences, any thoughts on Halloween, it's free format. Talk about anything you want. But go ahead, pick up a microphone, and I'll get you on the air next week. Uh, record your thoughts, you know, on Halloween, any of that. Uh, record it, and uh, send it in, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. But anyway, I have a few that I want to get to. These are mostly miscellaneous, you know, for the most part. But I want to get to a couple of them anyway. These pertain to miscellaneous topics, so I know one of them is about PG&E. And another one is about the internet addiction, but a few interesting topics anyway. A first one comes from Josh in Utah, 
Uh, great to hear from our listeners over there. And uh, he has a few thoughts on clowns. Hi, John. This might sound strange. By the way, this is Josh from Utah. This might sound strange, but I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on the phenomena of the clown being so significant in the zeitgeist and the the American culture. I mean, last year, this year, we've had it, it too, Joker, all of these things. Do you think this represents anything that the collective consciousness is experiencing that's being played out through artistic form? Anyway, curious to know what you think. Love your work. I bid you a farewell. Yeah, clowns, it's an interesting, it's an interesting question that you have. Clowns, you know, are, are, are huge in society, of course, uh, for different reasons. Of course, getting into kind of a, you know, <laughs> clowns never bothered me. It never scared me, never, um, you know, if anything else, they, they do not invoke any sort of fear. You know, like if I see someone dressed as a clown, you know, it's, you know, they're just dressed as a clown, uh, you know, and you know, if if someone, I'm not going to feel any different toward them because they're wearing the clown makeup uh, than I would anything else. Uh, you know, if I see someone, let's say, roaming around in the woods at, at 3 a.m. dressed in clown makeup, right? Um, I would think it would be weird, but it is what it is. I mean, someone can see me walking around at 3 a.m. in a full suit, uh, going down some path in the woods, too, and what are they going to think? You know, it's it's the same type of thing. They're going to be like, what the, what, what is this guy doing here? What's, what is this? This is weird. Um, but clowns don't really bother me. Though, obviously, the phenomenon, number one, is I think it's just this, this juxtaposition. It's because of pop culture, right? Obviously, the whole purpose of clowns initially is to be funny. But... I think it's just because you take something that's initially human and you put all this makeup in this outlandish outfit and it almost transforms it into something different, you know? Like, while well, it's still a person, right? It's obviously, it almost, look, it's silly to say, but it almost looks otherworldly, you know? It doesn't look natural in any way, shape, or form. And you take something that's initially supposed to bring... Uh, you know, feelings of comedy, and you strip it of all of that, and you make it absolutely sinister, I understand where that feeling... And obviously, also, everyone has their own fears. Everyone has their own phobias, right? Some people, look, it doesn't matter. You're just afraid of clowns. Um, but another thing, of course, one thing that you hear a lot about are sad clowns. Uh, which, again, is like, you know, this is juxtaposition of something that is supposed to be, right, the initial purpose uh, of being, like, um, funny and happy. And again, you strip it of anything but those feelings and those emotions, and it conveys a very different image. One thing I was hearing on the radio the other week, I'm not going to... People, a lot of people I see use the phrase clown world, but that that's just... That's just politically focused. That really doesn't have anything to do with clowns themselves. 
but some people might just be confused with that phrase in general. But yeah, it is interesting how just the clown itself, yeah, can convey a lot. Um, but again, I think just because that transformative aspect can have just such a broad appeal as is shown time and time again, that's why so much is done with it, in my opinion. It's like it could also be, like I was saying about the facade, it can be an ultimate example of that, something that's supposed to bring about, again, this initial expression of comedy and, and, and happiness and laughs uh, that really, you know, is anything but. So just interesting anyway. Uh, so thank you so much, Josh, for your thoughts there. Uh, since we were talking about the PG&E, let's go over to Ricky with a few thoughts about that. Hey, Review Bra. This is Ricky checking in from San Jose, California. It is currently October 10th, just finished listening to the podcast, and wanted to give you my thoughts and opinion on the outages here in the Bay Area. Now, first and foremost, I'm personally not affected. However, if PG&E is still considering cutting power to more areas, I can't say I'm out of the woods quite yet. Mostly due to the fact that I know some neighbors down the street who have had their power turned off. Now, for the most part, People can complain and lash at PG&E for what they're doing, but to me, I feel like this is a necessary step in order to prevent the wildfires, especially with how often they can occur out here, you really can't be too safe. Uh, the best way I've heard from neighbors to pass the time during this dark hour, for lack of a better term, is honestly just going outside or taking a good hike, or maybe even heading up places for amusement that haven't lost their power. In the long run, I feel we've grown so much as a species that we've become a little too reliant on technology. Not saying that's a bad thing, however, since it has made certain things possible that weren't before. But I think we need to get in touch with how we used to live before power was even a thing. And since its creation, we've continued to expand and use it in many ways. I just feel as though we've really become quite attached to it. That being said, breaking any addiction can be frustrating, and I can see why most people would be upset by this cutoff, especially if you're not properly prepared or stocked up for something like this that could last for many days. But in the end, to me, this is more important than people losing their homes or even their lives. If this truly does prove to be effective, I also believe that we can see more acts of this from PG&E in the future. So thank you, Ricky, for your thoughts. Interesting viewpoint there, um, because, you know, while I make my opinion clear that I'm not the, I, I don't support this, I, I welcome all viewpoints, always, always, always. So thank you so much, Ricky, with your thoughts there, and it is interesting, yeah, that you do mention getting in touch with kind of how we were before being so dependent on power. Uh, goes hand in hand with the subject, how we were talking about the internet addiction. So thank you so much again for your feedback, Ricky. I always appreciate it. Stephanie in Florida is checking in uh, with a few comments on internet addiction. Hey, John, I just want to, uh, first of all, thank you for bringing up um, the subjects that you did last week. Failure, your your um, talk on that was amazing. I also want to just touch on the um, internet addiction that you brought up, the phone addiction, device addiction. First and foremost, I want to use this platform if you end up posting my correspondence to tell everybody what's important is for you to love other people. 
it's important for us to connect with other people in the real world. You know, having the tool that is the internet, that that's what the internet is. It is a tool is not a, um, it's not a means for existence. Um, you need to go for walks in your neighborhood. You need to talk to your neighbors. You need to make it a point to meet people who are different than you, who have different cultural backgrounds, who have, you know, who are on the socioeconomic scale in a different place than you. Talk with people, find common ground, shake hands, look in people's eyes and make friends in the real world. That's what's important. That's how we're going to survive as a society. That's how we're going to survive as humanity. Um, I definitely feel like there is a huge internet addiction going on. You know, I don't want to call it a phone addiction or an iPad addiction. It's an internet addiction. Um, the internet for sure is another what I would call dimension to our reality. Um, I do feel like there are people who could live there um, and completely just put on their eye, their uh, sunglasses and, and never come back. Um, and I wonder sometimes, are we going to that to where people are just living in another reality? You know, if you think about it, we do all of our banking online. We work online. We, um, we talk, we have friends online. We have, people have romantic relationships online. It goes on and on and on. And I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer, but yeah, I do worry about um, people just getting sucked in and and even more sucked in. And I do think with the advances of technology, it will become an escape to some people um, as, you know, our physical world continues to change. Um, I'm 35 years old and I can remember, uh, first of all, I didn't grow up with a computer, so I really didn't get on the internet a lot as a kid, but I, I can remember, you know, a world when the internet was completely different than it is today. It was a search tool. It was a, you know, it wasn't this thing that like opened up the whole world to you. And that was a much different time. Um, I remember my life without a cell phone as an, as a teenager and as a young adult, I didn't have a cell phone. Um, so I know that like inside of me, I have a pendulum that can go back and forth between feeling very pulled to go into the internet, but then also a pull to go out and, you know, take a walk in nature, go to the beach, you know, go for hikes. Um, those are the things that I truly love and, and cherish. Um, but I will tell you that I've, you know, personally, I've taken a break from social media over the last few weeks and I definitely feel like a pull to go back to it because, you know, in my age group, a lot of people have kids and they're very busy and, you know, friend, you know, your friendships are sort of, they sort of change when you get around my age. Um, priorities are with family and, and so forth. And I do feel a disconnect when I pull from social media. So am I addicted, um, to the internet? Yeah, kinda. I do believe that. Um, but I do think that it's important for everybody to, you know, take some time every once in a while away, step away from it, maybe for, you know, even just a couple of hours. And I encourage everybody, please take some time to, to make friends in the real world. Um, don't isolate yourself and um, do something good for, for your physical environment. So thanks a lot, John. I really love listening to your, to your weekly broadcasts. Um, and as far as failure goes, never let failure cramp out your voice. It's extremely important. 
um, all of your topics are important and hit home on, for, for people on so many levels. So thanks so much. Thank you very much for your thoughts and feedback there. And I agree. You, you have to be, even though there might not be that much reciprocity in, in today's world, like I was saying, you got to be the best person that you can be. And you still have to treat others how you want to be treated with respect, kindness, dignity, right? Have a sense of empathy. Stand up for yourself too, but just overall be a good person, even though sometimes the view of things can, you know, it can it can jade you, right? You still got to just stay strong and, and be, be the best you can be. Now, one thing, because social media, I guess YouTube, I mean... Like, to me, YouTube is not necessarily social media. It's more of my job, right? So I'm kind of tied to it, uh, whether I would really want to be or not. Aside from YouTube and the broadcasts and getting everything there, you know, I usually use YouTube for music and all that. Uh, otherwise, on the social media, I don't, uh, I don't really use anything. Uh, again, just to promote various things. You know, I'll promote the broadcasts and my reviews, and sometimes I'll post something on Twitter and Instagram, but I don't casually use the sites, which is kind of weird. Like, it's it's funny, the only thing I ever use Twitter for uh, that isn't related to my channel, sometimes I'll search the word, <laughs> I'll search the word shortwave, and I'll see what people are talking about there. Um, but that's, I, I never respond to anything, I'm just a, I guess a lurker. And on Instagram, on occasion, maybe once a week, I'll look up the tag um, for suits and I'll just see what people are posting there. But that's it. Uh, you know, and those are two just tiny, tiny little things that I can just do without, you know. It, it won't adversely impact me at all if it's gone. Um, but obviously for people who are much, much more uh, you know, vigorous users of such sites, I've absolutely heard of a lot of people who try and take the social media out of their lives. And yeah, you know, like you were saying, uh, you feel this calling back to it. I've heard a lot of people saying, like, it almost is, uh, you know, a liter it is an addiction, right? You're feeling this urge to, you know, in a sense, obviously, relapse. Not necessarily the same as doing drugs, but you, you want to do it again. You want to be back, and being away from it uh, for many is hard. But thank you very much for your feedback there. And let's see if there are any other recordings to get to today. Well, I do have an email that I want to get to. Um, and then that's it for the show. But we have an email from Julia in Georgia. And she says, I was wondering, well, number one, uh, I'll do this on the music show uh, more prominently, but a shout out to uh, her friend Eve and daughter Daisy. And uh, said she's going through a tough time. And uh, be be nice if you can give her a nod or a few kind words. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, going out to Eve and uh, Daisy as well. You know, you guys hang in there. You know, everyone's problems are different. And everyone's circumstances are unique to them. But like I was saying in the last show, in regards to failure... Everyone experiences failure to one extent or another all the time, right? Things don't go the way that we want it to go. But with failure does come the path to a solution as well. Persistence, 
perseverance, change of perspective. No matter what you're going through, there's a way to get through it. So stay strong and I uh, hope everything works out for you guys. And continuing on, uh, the email also says, what do you do for Halloween? Uh, you know, it, it's funny with Halloween is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pass out candy, you know, it doesn't bother me. I don't see many trick-or-treaters anymore, um, but, you know, it's it's not too much, it's not too big of a thing that I see, but always, always uh, welcome. I remember one time I put a, uh, just as a joke, because I, I knew that there were so few trick-or-treaters around anymore, that I remember I put out, I, I put out like a bowl of candy, and you know how sometimes someone will put a little sign on it that just says, take one? I knew that there were only going to be like one or two trick-or-treaters. I just put this ball out and I just said, take everything. And uh, I mean, why not if you're actually going out? And sure enough, there was only one trick-or-treater. And after they took all of it, I just filled it back up again. Because it's all this candy that I'm not going to do anything with. So take take it all. You know, that's what you get for going out. Deserve it. I know I'm not a good influence in that regard, but... It's just something you don't see anymore. It's funny, though, how it is where... I remember looking back... I I used to not be a fan of Halloween at all. I actually... I used to be a huge opponent of it. And now, granted, this is going back to... I don't know, maybe 2013 or so. Now, you know, I still have my... I'm not going to, look, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it this year. I don't care what happens anymore um, with, with Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that stuff. Just bear in mind the original meanings and feelings uh, that these holidays are supposed to represent, the feelings of kindness and goodwill. Um, but, you know, do whatever you want. And there's going to be no anti-holiday lectures like there were last year. Um, but... Halloween, I just didn't like, I didn't like the culture that was surrounding it, but then I figured, well, what is it, you know, how is it going to impact me if someone goes and wears, look, as silly as I find it, and I quite frankly find it quite absurd, uh, you know, wears a sexy Mr. Rogers costume, or, uh, you know, whatever the big thing is this year, I just know there's that. And I'm sure you'll be seeing a lot of Joker costumes. Um, You know, notable political figures, you'll see that a bit. Even if I find it a little ridiculous, it doesn't impact me at all, you know? And now my my attitude has changed. I don't mind it. I actually, I like the aesthetic that Halloween has. And while the costumes and the partying isn't my thing... Uh, you know, people can do what they want, provided that they're not hurting or harming anyone. They can have the the freedom to just celebrate it as they wish. I don't need to sit here and rail at anyone for having fun, so it doesn't... It's just a change of perspective, you know, change of viewpoint. doesn't bother me anymore. Um, but yeah, Halloween, the candy can sometimes be good, but like I said, I really like the aesthetic that it has. Because, you know, naturally, I like the dark colors anyway. I like the night, I like the darkness, all that stuff. And Halloween is like the one time where it's ex- acceptable to go out and just be able to enjoy that stuff. Otherwise, it's like, oh, why are you so down? What's wrong? Why can't you just like the bright stuff? 
not to say that sun and all that is bad, but you know, it's just an aesthetic that I'm I'm rather fond of, so it's nice to see anyway, and have it celebrated in that regard. So thank you very much for your question. And with that, I think I'm going to be wrapping up today's broadcast of VORW International. Yeah, a lot of mixed discussion, and uh, yeah, you know, the disclaimer was there, so all was good. Uh, any feedback, of course, you know, next week's show, since it will be falling on a Thursday, so it's going to be on Halloween uh, again. Since it is, may as well, you know, anything paranormal-related, anything that you feel uh, you wish to share. Really, that's all that it comes down to. It's at your discretion, but send an email if you want. If you made it this far in the show, you you pretty much sat through two hours of my my blathering today, so you have nothing to lose at this point. Uh, but consider it, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. And, of course, otherwise, if you want to support the show, uh, PayPal to V-O-R-W. I-N-F-O at gmail.com or at Patreon, patreon.com slash the report of the week. So with that, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I hope you have a happy Halloween, uh, you know, whatever it is that you have planned for it, if anything at all. And otherwise, this show will be here. You know, you can tune into the podcast next week. I'll be doing the music show on the shortwave. So, some music and talk coming your way anyway. And, uh, man, just hope you have a good week ahead either way. So, thank you and do take care. This is VORW Concluded.